That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something in the Quran, the verse that I read earlier from Surah Al-Jathiyah and verse 23. Have you seen the one who has taken his Lord as his desires? So his desires are his Lord. That literally, that's what Allah is saying. This is what people do. That they've taken their desires as their Lord. There's multiple ways to read this, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then has let him stray because of his knowledge of what this person was going to do. He's left him alone to do that then. Let him stray, right? And then after that, when it gets really bad, Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then puts a seal on their ears, on their hearing, and on their heart, and a veil over their eyes or their sight. So then after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or beyond Allah, who is going to be able to guide this person? Meaning, Allahu Akbar. What this seems to indicate here is that when a person becomes so fixated on other things and becomes the, the slave of those things, then eventually Allah gets so angry that he then puts a veil on their ears, on their sight, and on their heart, so then they won't be able to come out of that. So then they stay down in that. They stay and they just so focused on everything else and it becomes difficult for them to get out of that unless somehow they find a little room in there to call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah extracts them Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillahi hamdun kathiran tayyiban mubarakan feeh mubarakan alayh kama yuhibbu rabbuna وَيَرْضَى جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ وَعَمَّ نَوَالُهُ وَالصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَى سَيِّدِ الْحَبِيبِ الْمُصْطَفَى صَلَّى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَيْهِ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَبَارَكَ وَسَلَّمَ تَسْلِيمًا كَثِيرًا إِلَى يَوْمِ الدِّينَ أَمَّا بَعْدْ قال الله تعالى أَفَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ اتَّخَذَ إِلَهَهُ هَوَاهُ وَأَضَلَّهُ اللَّهُ عَلَى عِلْمٍ وَخَتَمَ عَلَى سَمْعِهِ وَقَلْبِهِ وَجَعَلَ عَلَى بَصَرِهِ غِشَاوَةً so, alhamdulillah, to continue uh, with our series on Ibn Atha'illah's Book of Wisdom or the Hikam, we are today on page 109 and it's wisdom number 210. This is actually a really beautiful one. It's just really short and sweet and it's right to the point. This is what Ibn Atha'illah al-Iskandari says. He says, ما أحببت شيئاً إِلَّا كُنْتَ لَهُ عَبْدًا وَهُوَ لَا يُحِبُّ أَن تَكُونَ لِغَيْرِهِ عَبْدًا Absolute rule of life. مَا أَحْبَبْتَ شَيْئًا إِلَّا كُنْتَ لَهُ عَبْدًا وَهُوَ لَا يُحِبُّ أَن تَكُونَ لِغَيْرِهِ عَبْدًا You have not loved anything without being its slave. What he means is that whenever you love anything, you will become its slave. That's what love does to you. You can't help it. If you have pure love for something, like genuine love for something, you will, uh, according to the studies on love, love is one of those emotions that when it overtakes you, it makes you at your most selfless. It brings you in your most selfless state. Your selfishness goes away. When you love something, you're willing to give it all, you're willing to give your full sacrifice, and you become totally selfless and committed to it. In other words, he is saying, Ibn Atayillah is saying, he's rephrasing that, he's saying you'll become its slave. 
because you're willing to do anything for it. You don't matter anymore. When you have somebody you love so much, you don't yourself no longer matters. It's all about the other person. It's an amazing feeling. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ said it like this, said, حُبُّكَ الشَّيْءِ Your love for something will blind you and deafen you from anything else, including yourself in many cases. You're just worried about your love. You're willing to sacrifice yourself. That's why people commit suicide when they can't have their worldly love anymore. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you never have to have that kind of sacrifice. Meaning you don't have to commit suicide because Allah is always living. He is the living one. Hayyun, qayyumun. So you've never loved anything without becoming its slave. And then he says something where he says, but he does not want you to be someone else's slave. So if you love anything, you'll become its slave, but Allah doesn't want you to be anybody else's slave because he is your master. He created you, so why should you be anybody else's slave? Which means that you can't love anything else except Allah. If you want to love anything else, it needs to be for the sake of Allah, through Allah, and by Allah. So just because you love Allah doesn't mean you don't love anything else. It's just that you love it for the sake of Allah, so it's actually love for Allah. You love your parents because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said so. You love your children, you love your spouse because Allah said so. So that's love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But your love must be primarily for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's an amazing aphorism. You have not loved anything without becoming its slave. But he does not want you to be anybody else's slave. Which is a message to say that you can't love anything else. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove this love that we have for anything else. Then life becomes easy. That is the answer to everything. Allahumma rzukna hubbak. Oh Allah, grant us your love. So what he is essentially saying here is that al-qalb, the heart, is this thing that we have, which everybody should have. Uh, we do say that he doesn't have a heart because it's just so overwhelmed with love of crazy things that they don't have a love that you expect people to have. Love of decency, love of compassion and empathy, they don't have that because they're just so focused on something you say, he doesn't even have a heart. That's just because they're overtaken. He doesn't have a heart, but the heart is overtaken. It's dominated by something else. Love of something else which has become slave to the wrong thing. When a person becomes slave to the wrong thing, that's the thing. So he says that whenever anybody loves anything, they will fully focus on it. They will fully go after it and they will submit to it. They will humble themselves to that thing. And they will be willing to obey it and be obedient to that thing, whatever that thing demands from you. People are willing to do crazy things. People are willing to stand overnight in long queues because they love a product for some reason. A product that's going to get old within a few days that you have it. You'll probably get bored of it. It's definitely going to become old in a few months and something else is going to come out. But you're willing to go overnight with that. That sounds kind of crazy. You're willing to fight to defend something that you support even though those that you support don't even know you. Don't give you anything. You're not even making any money of it but you're willing to fight with people just because you heard them criticize your team. Amazing, isn't it? What an amazing emotion that is. Quite fascinating idea. That you're willing to fight with somebody else, quarrel with them, break ties with them, 
swear at them, curse them, because they said something about someone that you support, a team that you support, even though that team doesn't benefit you in any way, except that you support and they excite you. That's all emotion. If they any of those players saw you, they wouldn't even know who you are. Right? They don't even care for you, to be honest. You make no money from this, you make nothing from this. But mashallah, you love something so much that you're willing to put their name onto your number plate. And you pay for that. And it's a designer, it's maybe a, a what do you call it, a designer brand who won your money anyway and you're giving them free promotion. They didn't pay for your number plates. You just love it so much because you buy their products. You buy their products. You pay extra money to buy their products. You want everything from that particular brand. And then, mashallah, you advertise it as well for free. That's crazy. That brand is very successful that has made you do that. But that's human emotion. That's human emotion. There's multiple causes for that. And this is exactly what he's speaking. You'll become their slave. Uh, that is why the poet says, Inna al-muhibba liman yuhibbu muti'u. The lover is an absolute, uh, is absolutely obedient to the one he loves. You can have a very, very powerful person. You give him and that person develops a proper, genuine love for something, good or bad, whatever it is, he'll become their slave. They're the only, there's always access to someone. There's always access to someone through their beloved, through what they like. That's what they say. Find what they like and you can control them. So then what, the, uh, what our commentator is saying is that this concept of love that is for multiple things, this actually is what is ubudiyah for Allah. This is actually servitude for Allah. That is what's required. If you take that example of somebody supporting their team, supporting a product, and, and so on, right? And you put that, you put Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that place. That is what it's supposed to be. That is actually what Allah wanted from us because Allah says that the people who believe, they are most intense in their love for Allah. That's really, if we can somehow, you know, if you know how to love something, you're crazy about your love for something, then mashallah, you know how to love. You just need to replace that with Allah. It's like just slip that thing off and put Allah in that place and mashallah, you've done it because you know how to be obsessed. You know how to love. So he says, this is haqiqatul ubudiyah. This is the reality of servitude. This is how it should be. This is the experience of it. Al-khudu'u wa ta'a. Absolute humility and absolute obedience. You're humbled in front of that thing. Like if you if that thing came in front of you, you just wow, received the gift of a iPad, like a really expensive iPad. He didn't want it, thought it was an overkill for, tried to sell it. So somebody told him that this particular guy he's really into his i Apple products. So he went to him and he said, you know, I'm willing. To, uh, do you want to buy this? So the guy looks at it admiringly and is like, who wouldn't want another i? Who wouldn't want? Uh, as I remember the words. Who wouldn't want another Apple product? Right? Because a really expensive iPad. But he says, the problem, I just bought something and I'm out of money, so I can't take it. But just the admiration was amazing. Just so I can have another Apple product. SubhanAllah. 
I wish I could just have another moment to see the Kaaba. Just some more time in the Haram, in the Riyadh al-Jannah. Now then he says, but the problem is, right? This, he then problematizes this. He says that you need to be fully servitude to something, full servitude to something. But then he says the problem is that a human has only, his heart has only one direction. The human heart can only be focused on one thing fully. Partially in many things, but fully only on one thing. And the human only has one heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِرَجِلٍ مِنْ قَلْبَيْنِ فِي جَوْفِهِ For any man, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has only put one heart in the, inside them. And it's really interesting, Allah says, رَجُل rather than insan, because sometimes women do have two hearts when they've got the child inside. It's very interesting. So when the heart has just one direction, If they eventually do find their main love in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala towards their master, if they do become focused like that on their master, they will then, everything else will paint in significance and it'll all become like a shadow. Everything else pale in its... And then a person will become fully a slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, on the other hand, if a person becomes fully obsessed by fulfilling their desires because you've got some money now. Or you don't have money but you're just waiting to get some money. Or you have the money and you can buy what you want so then you buy and you buy and you buy and you buy because you have. Then that means you become, we become slaves to our desires. Then what happens then is you're definitely not going to be able to be focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It'll become second place, third place, fourth place because there'll be so many first place. And then a person is going to become Slave to anything else and everything else. Why would a person work so hard then? To make that money so that they can fulfill their desires. What drives you to do that? What drives you to be jealous of somebody else? What drives you to compete in that sense? Even though you've got enough to survive on. Now the problem is, he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is never satisfied with any of his servants becoming servants of others why would you you're the one who gave them uh, gave them existence in this world and now they are turning to others as though they're going to get something from them now it's it might be understandable that you become slave to somebody who is giving you a lot but most of us are slaves to things that is not giving us anything we have to give it everything that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something in the Quran the verse that I read earlier from Surah Al-Jathiyah and verse 23. Have you seen the one who has taken his Lord as his desires? So his desires are his Lord. That Literally, that's what Allah is saying. This is what people do. That they've taken their desires as their Lord. There's multiple ways to read this. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then has let him stray because of his knowledge of what this person was going to do. He's left him alone to do that then. Let him stray, right? And then after that, when it gets really bad, Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then puts a seal on their ears, on their hearing, and on their heart, and a veil over their eyes or their sight. So then after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or beyond Allah, who is going to be able to guide this person? Meaning, Allahu Akbar. What this seems to indicate here is that 
when a person becomes so fixated on other things and becomes the, the slave of those things, then eventually Allah gets so angry that he then puts a veil on their ears, on their sight, and on their heart, so then they won't be able to come out of that. So then they stay down in that. They stay and they just so focused on everything else. And it becomes difficult for them to get out of that. Unless somehow they find a little room in there to call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah extracts them. So then they just don't see what's wrong because they think this is what it is. So then the commentator says that this ayah is clear, explicit with regards to making anything, uh, uh, the, the repugnance and the ugliness of making anything else your Lord. Now, just as a little quick side point, there are uh, some of the scholars of um, spirituality who've completely agree with what explanation I've just given for this uh, ayah. However, they are always looking for an alternative reading while not dismissing the main reading. So it's kind of really interesting what they've come up with, though we're not going to insist on that because that's just an implication. So they were, they're saying that, have you seen the one who has made his Lord his desire? His Lord is his, he, who has made his Lord his desire, which is in the other way, which means that my desire is entirely for my Lord. My Lord is the object of my desire. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has now let him remain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has let him remain going around in his, in his love. He's let him stray in his love like he can go wherever he wants stumbling around in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put a veil over his, his ears, his hearing and everything so he sees nothing but Allah. They've taken it in that meaning while saying that that's just another way of reading it. But they don't insist on that meaning. And then he says, who is going to give guidance to such a person, such guidance, such a great guidance besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Who can give you a guidance? Makes absolute sense in the terms of the explanation. La ilaha illallah. Right. Now, there's some hadith, it's in Sahih al-Bukhari. There's a hadith, which whenever I see the, the way the Prophet said it was amazing. And uh, we just have to put a modern iteration to it because people's objects of luxury have changed. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Destroyed and perish is the slave of dinars and dirhams. Pounds and dollars and whatever. You know, whichever currency you want to speak about. Present dinar and dirhams. He says, وَالْقَطِيفَ وَالْخَمِيلَ and so on. So that was really expensive sheets, expensive wraps, expensive cloth. So in those days, that would be the kind of uh, assets you would have. So today it would be designer goods. Right? Today it would be designer goods. It's literally, that's what the person was saying, that these kind of expensive products that people are 
just so after all the time. You can have them, but just don't be a slave to them. And he said, was Zawja, the slave of their spouse. It could be either way, but here he said wife. So he's talking to a man, slave of their wife. Junaid al-Baghdadi, somebody asked him, Man al-Abd, who's a slave? He says, the one in whose heart there is any connection with other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As long as you've got some connection with other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're still a slave. Meaning, not a slave of Allah, but the bad slave. He says, because, you know, in the early days when you had slaves, the Sharia had, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran told, found multiple ways to free them, right? One of them was that, look, if you don't want to free them for free, then uh, give them a charge, make a contract with them that you pay, you go and work, pay me this much money and then you can free yourself. That becomes like a very specific type of slave where they become semi-free, right? Because they can go and work for themselves and then when they got enough money, they can give it to the, the master. They're still a slave at the end of the day because if they can't make up that kind of money, they go back to being a slave. Ultimately, they're still a slave even though they're more independent than other slaves. So he's, so he's using that as an example that as long as he's got one dirham left to pay, a pound left to pay, he's still a slave. And then he says, okay, who is a free person? Who is the truly free person? So Junaid al-Baghdadi says, the one who has been able to escape and extract himself from the slave, from the servitude of his own self. And he no longer has those full desires for anything else. Now look at this. This is the way the shuyukh of that time used to treat, uh, uh, used to teach and nurture their students. Right now, remember, put this in context. This is not something that you can do at home necessarily, right, with your children or yourself or your wife or your spouse or your husband, right? So listen, Shibli is Shibli Rahimahullah is considered one of those awliya, pious, really pious individuals of the past. He had a student. Somebody gave this student of his a nice jubba, right? One of these nice cloaks. Now, the Sheikh Shibli. Rahimahullah had a really, really nice hat. Now, it just so turns out that this student looks at that hat and thinks, that hat would go very, very well with my jubba. He desires it. Okay? Now, somehow Shibli figures this out. Right? Because he must have seen him just, you know, stay with somebody so long, you understand. So, what he does, the Sheikh finds it out, tells me to take the jubba off, takes his hat off and then goes and throws it in the fire. Both of them. Right. Don't do this at home. Okay. He does that and then he says to him, there should be no, absolutely no attention paid to anybody but Allah. So let this hat go to hell essentially and let this jubba go. They should not distract you. I mean, this is the likes of the Sahabi who was sitting in his orchard. He was praying Salat in his orchard. And in between, there's a nice bird or something. He got distracted with it. He gives this whole orchard in the path of Allah. This distracted me from my prayer. This is Sunnah to do this. But um, you can only do it once you get a heart that's you know, really prepared. Otherwise, you start giving away everything. 
and then you're going to be miserable and shaitan will overtake you and think, man, what kind of life do you live? So don't do that. That's why Ibn al-Jawzi says that people get a bit uh, uh, get a bit excited about leaving the dunya, so they give up their business, they give up everything, and they, they're okay for about a month or two because you know their adrenaline and everything is keeping them going. And then after that, when the going gets tough, they become very miserable. You can't do this without having a proper heart, without that love, then you can bear anything. Now, there may be somebody who's actually criticized Shibli for doing this. Like, what did you just do? He says, you won't understand that because this was tarbiyah, this was training in action. Right? Otherwise, we don't throw things away like that. But this was to teach a lesson. Subhanallah. Anyway, what is the mahabba of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So, there are three stages to the love of Allah. We're going to just talk why briefly we don't have too much time uh, to go into that. We've discussed this multiple times before. But... Um, there are three stages in the love of Allah. Let's find out where we are. Right? So the first stage, because the first stage of it is just that you fulfill the obligations of Allah and you avoid the prohibitions of Allah. If we can do that, that means that you have some love for Allah. If we're struggling with that, then that's the first stage already, you know, uh, in, in problem. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ so that's the first stage. Uh, Allah is saying, say that if you love Allah, then follow me and Allah will love you. So if you follow the Prophet then Allah will love you, you love Allah. That's the first stage. The middle stage, he says, is where your tongue is constantly on the remembrance of Allah. So it goes from just oblig uh, just fulfilling obligations and avoiding prohibitions to then being constantly remembering him with your tongue and your heart. So your heart is constantly, you know, conscious of him. Your tongue is constantly remembering him. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. You're constantly reading something. It's on your tongue, Allah, whatever it is, and in your heart. And then he says, okay, what is the state higher? Uh, what is the last stage or the highest stage, the ultimate stage? He then says, I'm really sorry, but nihayatuha la tudraku bil'ibara. Its highest stage cannot be explained. It cannot be articulated with any words. That is a matter of taste and experience. That cannot be imparted to anybody else. And you can't explain that to anybody else. Subhanallah. There's a poem, but poet who is saying the following, which is uh, indicating towards the state. فَلَمْ يَبْقَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ لَا رَبَّ غَيْرُهُ Habibun liqalbin ghaba an kulli maqsidi Hani'an liman qad nala hubba habibihi Wa khada bitarki al-ghayri akrama mawridi Na'imun bila haddin ladayhi mujaddadi Ala adadi al-anfasi fi kulli mashhadi He kind of gives some indication of where he is with this. He says that besides Allah, there is nothing that has remained. There is no Lord aside from him. A beloved in the heart, in a heart, which has totally become oblivious of anything else and everything else. So glad tidings for the one who has attained the love of his beloved and has been able to take a deep dive by abandoning all else into the best of, into the best of pools, into the best of pools. This is such a blessing that has no limits, that has no uh, no limit, right? And it is constantly being renewed. 
It is a constantly renewed form of blessing that brings you great benefits. How many times is it being renewed? Meaning this blessing will give you so much excitement that it will be an everlasting excitement that changes and that refreshes itself with every single with every single uh, breath in every, with every observation that you make. I mean, you can only experience that. I mean, that's very, very difficult to explain. Subhanallah. So then the commentator actually says that, look, these kind of things, this last stage is such that common people and even many elect people, special people can't even figure this out. The only people that will really understand this and taste it and experience it are the very special of the special ones. May Allah make us of that one day. I say that kind of, I wish I could say that more seriously. I say that half-heartedly, unfortunately, because it just seems so difficult to attain. But at least we can ask Allah to facilitate for us some. Otherwise, he just finds like, where are we going to get that from? Where it's the special of the special. Like the Ghazalis and the Jilanis. How are you going to get to that level? But for Allah, nothing is complicated. We can at least hope for it. And we can make an effort to get somewhere. Now one thing, one thing we have to understand is that the meaning of loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we love Him. Not because He needs our love and not because He benefits from that. It's because it's beneficial for us because that fulfills the ultimate purpose for which we were made then Allah will reward us and He wants to reward us. He just wants an excuse to reward us, so then He'll reward us. Allah becoming, Allah loving His servant means that Allah will make somebody close to Him. That's what it means when Allah begins to love, then Allah will make and draw somebody close to Him. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this path easy and to bless us in this regard, to facilitate it for us. Sheikh Abdullah Gango, he says in his commentary of this, he says, When man loves on this earth anything besides Allah, he becomes its slave because of the deep relationship that develops. This is just human emotion. That's human nature, right? The object of love can be love of wealth or enslaving love of spouses and children. Somebody could just love their children's spouse so much that they just do everything for them and forget about Allah. Believe me, believe me, if you love Allah, you can love your spouse and children for the sake of Allah and you get much more happiness. People think that you're going to become some kind of crazy person who goes around, right, saying, I love God and cares about nothing else with some disheveled hair and soiled clothing. That's not the case. That's majzub. That's a very special category of people who've lost their senses, which is not recommended. I mean, they're, they're, they're unaccountable because they've lost their senses, but that's not something that you hope to do. What we hope to do is to be true human beings with proper love for Allah and thus love for everything else around it then you will see how your children make you happy when they give some sadaqah. Your children make you happy when they pray, when they get up for tahajjud, right? When they are also loving Allah, then you'll see the happiness and that would be true happiness. May Allah make that easy for us. That's why he says separation from such an object of love will produce grief. That's the problem because they're only going to go. Anything besides Allah is going to disappear. It's going to dissipate. It's going to become sick. It's going to die. Then what happens then? This then is the meaning of enslavement to the object of one's love. It should however be understood that the love of worldly objects that is detestable is such a love that induces the slave to ignore the sacred law. 
where the lover devotes himself to the object of love even if the love leads to the violation of the law. If somebody loves the Qur'an, loves the hadith, loves the Prophet then that is love for Allah. There's nothing wrong with that. Loves to help people and assist people for the sake of Allah, that's love for Allah. If priority is according to the sacred law, thus keeping the love subservient, then the natural love one has for certain matters, such as children or relatives, is not abominable. In fact, this love is part of the prophetic practice sunnah in such instances, because it's all governed uh, by the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam, Allahumma razukna hubbak. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam anta barakatiyat al-jadati wa tikram. Allahumma ya hiyu ya qayyu mi rupatika al-staghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha inda anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimin. Jazallahu alna muhammad amma huwa ahlu. Ya ghathar, ya fattah, ya sattah, ya hafiz, ya salam. Ya latif, ya dhantahari wa tikram. Allahumma akrimna wa la tuhinna. Ya arhamun rahimin. Ya athal jalali wa al-ikram. Allahumma inna nasaluka tamam al-afiyah wa dawam al-afiyah wa shukra al-afiyah. Allahumma ahfuzna min al-bada'i wa al-afati wa al-mihan. Allahumma jannimna al-fawakisha ma zahara minha wa ma batan. Allahumma rizukna hubbak wa hubba ma yanfa'una hubbuhu indak. Allah have mercy on us. Allah accept all of us. Oh Allah, bring us close to you. Make us the way you want us to be. Oh Allah, write us of the fortunate ones. Oh Allah, allow us to be. Focus just on you. Remove our distraction with other things. Allah, allow our priorities to be corrected. Allah, allow our priorities to be the way you want them to be. Allah, Allah, make this easy for us. There are so many things of distraction nowadays. There are so many things that um, that take our attention away. Ya Allah, we ask you for special focus on you. سبحان ربك رب The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will 
have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.